Good morning, traders and investors. We're back into the market. We got the 25 basis point rate hike. Now, of course, did the central bank give the intentions that they're nearing the end of the rate hiking cycle? Questions being asked, will we get a pivot this year, right? Things to think about. And of course, we'll take a look at what's going on. Is the banking situation done? Is it not? We'll take a look at Ford announcing their electric vehicle business lost 2.1 billion coinbase with a wells notice we got chewy kb homes getting some earnings sanofi and regenron shares getting a little bit of a boost darden restaurant reporting today a lot to get into and of course our guest today jonathan corpina you guys smash the like it's time to rise and shine traders it's pre-market prep Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right. Good morning, traders and investors. We've got showing a little green here on the screen up 15 and a half handles at 39.86. The buck after a couple bad days, trying to have a good day up just four cents, just over 102. Bonds up a quarter of a point, 131 and 730 seconds. Crude residing in the 70 handle, but down 46 cents at 70.44. Another good day for gold, up 31 bucks, 1980.60. Silver participating for a change, up 24 cents at 23.02. And Bitcoin bouncing back with being the tech stock it is. It's up $845 at 27,645. Uh, Triple D, I see a lot of green here, but I see a proportionate amount amount of green going to big tech once again yeah they love the big tech yeah it's the safety trade and again they go to what that has been working here you can see the clear rotation i mean just bring up the iwm which is your small caps full of banks full of smaller stocks that need capital if we get in tighter capital because of the banking crisis here iwm sitting right near the lows of the whole year down at 170 and then you have the queues a completely different story up from 260 to 308 up here again so i mean the rotation here is nothing short of violent uh once again here this morning it's big tech that's getting the money you can see most stuff is green but the major tech stocks are a lot more green than um so, some of the other stocks that you see so yeah, it's Apple again up. rotation yep. rotation rotation uh you have the spy up about a half a percent let's just go through this real quick yeah. apple almost up a percent microsoft up over one percent yeah. uh google hanging in there half a percent amazon 1.39 yeah. nvidia you can't stop nvidia 1.78 percent and good old tesla rebounding up two percent and there you have uh you know well jp morgan's getting a little bounce too but uh clear rotation in the tech and uh we also still earning season mitch does earning season ever end never um, it pretty much never ends, right? I mean, even when you think you, you're not getting the big boys, you get some of the smaller boys that start reporting. So, 
Hey, it's how it is, but let's get to the action, of course. Let's start with just really quickly wrapping up what happened yesterday. Of course, we got the 25 basis point hike. Um, now the questions, of course, is the central bank nearing the end of its rate hiking cycle? I'll kick it to you guys. What do you think about that? At least the end of the rate hiking. Um, well, let's just talk about what exactly the Fed said yesterday here, Mitch, before we mm -hmm. get into our specific commentary. So give us the rundown. Obviously, gotcha. multiple comments. We had the Fed decision. They did go the quarter. We had some yelling comments just right afterwards. We had the Powell press conference. We started very well with the market rip-roaring higher right off of the initial quarter and a little bit of language change, but definitely not, you know, uh, signaling an imminent pause. What, what, um, if, well, well, give us a breakdown, Mitch. All right. So, uh, one of the statements, of course, the main statement, the committee anticipates that some additional policy firming may be appropriate in order to attain a stance of monetary policy that's sufficiently restrictive to return inflation to 2% over time. He did say that the process of getting inflation back down to 2% has a long way to go and is likely to be bumpy. He said that despite market pricing into the contrary, rate cuts are not in our base case for the remainder of 2023. And of course, the U.S. banking system is sound and resilient. Now, that one might come back to bite him. I don't know if he... Uh, he they tried to give that. some certainty on that one, but yeah, he can't we'll have to find that. Not. Yeah, they've um, got to say that. They're going to continue to say that. We could be in the full financial crisis, and they're going to say that because we know it's all about confidence yeah. here. Citigroup, interesting comments I read yesterday, too. They said social media is a game changer for bank runs. And if you think back to the financial crisis in 2007, 2008, social media was very early very new. A lot of people not even on social media at that time. Now word travels so fast, like, oh, you know, FRC, you know, people saying, well, your de deposits might not be safe. That starts spreading through social media and everybody knows almost it feels like instantly. So, I mean, I think I completely agree with that. Social media with the spreading of the word can really start, you know, people's fear and get it going. And that's all bank run really is. Like if you just go back and just look exactly what is a bank run. You know, because maybe you don't know. A bank run is just simply depositors going into the bank and asking for their money back. Too many people, which is ask for the money at the same time, the bank doesn't have it because typically banks lend longer and they borrow, you know, sometimes shorter with, you know, just depositors on the books. So there's a mismatch in duration. So what happens is if too many people come into the bank and ask for their money all at once, the bank can't pay them. They don't have that much money. And that's what can get a bank run going. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, our deposits aren't safe. And it snowballs from there. So it's all about confidence. As long as depositors stay with the bank, the bank's probably fine. Too many people start pulling their money out, then the bank can become insolvent very, very quickly because they don't have all of your money that you've lent the bank sitting there ready to give it back to you. It's too many people ask for the money all at once. That's where the bank gets into trouble. And isn't it kind of isn't it kind of asinine? I mean, to go, I mean... Have you thought about that? It's like going to all the banks that you do business with and taking all your money out and putting it under your mattress? No, well, no, but I will tell you, I have thought about in here, Joel, is just I've looked at, well, where do I have? How much do I have? Do I have a whole pile of money mm -hmm. just sitting there? How much mm -hmm. is the insurance covered for? Spreading it out. Mm -hmm. You know, I've always done GICs. I know they're only 100000 each. 
So I've always laddered them. After the financial crisis, it was an eye-opener for me because we lost some banks and I got scared. So ever since then, I've always been cautious to spread it out. You know, I bank at three different banking institutions. Uh You know, I spread out the money to a certain extent. So I don't have all my eggs in one basket, just in case. I mean, and we're not saying anything is imminent, but I think consumers may be becoming more prudent about that. And as they see, they're like, well, I want to spread it out a bit. I'm going to take some of my FRC money and put it over to JP Morgan. Just maybe some of it, but that's enough, you know, in some cases. So, I mean, we saw what the stock has done. It's definitely not, you know, we don't know if, you know, we're going to have an issue here, but when a stock goes from $120 to 14, the market is telling you there's a potential issue and that's all. So I think it's about spreading it out. And I mean, if you've got your, you know, deposit insurance and, and a lot of the banks that gets is 250, Canada is typically 100 yeah, in each individual account. The brokerages are different. The brokerages in Canada, I believe, are 1,099,000. Um, I think in the U.S. they're higher. Um, I don't think they're a million, though. I'm, I, I, I thought it was like 650. But again, I'm not in the U.S., so I haven't looked at that that closely. Um, so, so, yeah, but it's, you know, about that insurance coverage. So. I mean, Joel, do you look at this? Like, we went through the financial crisis, and it was really scary. Nothing like this. I mean, this is not the financial crisis. If you not were at been all. there in 2007, 2008, and you're seeing major banks, Lehman Brothers, going to zero, and Bear Stearns getting taken over for two bucks. And you're like, is the world ending here? It was really scary. And well, how did they fix that? They just threw money at the problem. But you went through that, Joel. Did right. you kind of change how you invested or how you had your cash sitting I, after that? Because I, I sure did. I, you know what? I think I kind of like had it before that, like that, you know, I never had like one major, you know, concentration with, you know, yep. The brokerages or, yeah. yeah, Or the banks or, you know, anything like that. So um, I I think the main thing, I mean, you know, the, you know, the cash that I have in the bank, I certainly wouldn't want, you know, if my cash at bank America, one of the banks I go to, if that's gone, who, I got a hell of a lot more to worry about than whatever cash I had. In and, and that's something you to know. think about too, but I just don't like having all my cash yep. at one single bank. So just spreading it out is more prudent. Again, if you're like sitting with like $50,000, your life savings, you're probably fine. It's about that uninsured, you know, get above those numbers. And me and Joel have been around a long time. So we've accumulated some wealth. We're not rich by any means, but we've accumulated some wealth over the years. You know, worked hard to accumulate this wealth. So you don't want to see just your bank fail and all of the wealth you accumulated, you know, potentially being locked up. Again, would you get the money? Is some of these credit depositors going to get the money? Apparently they are. So even though their bank failed, apparently they're going to get the money. But do you want to go through the pain of all that being tied up? And do you want to, you know, get into a situation maybe they don't cover it? And this brings us to Yellen's comments yesterday here, Joel, which, Mitch, again, if you can find those Yellen comments. Already got them. Because... Yeah, Mitch is awesome. But if you find those yelling comments, this is probably what spooked the market even more. Because they had Powell talking about, you know, the banks being sound. And then they asked Yellen a specific question. Mm-hmm. What they what they talk about here? So just a, a comment on Powell. Powell stated that all deposits would be backed up. And then the comments came a little bit later. Treasury Secretary uh, Janet Yellen said that the U.S. is not working on a blanket insurance for bank deposits. So pretty much that all deposits would just be covered all around, right? If anything, what they did is they stepped in in the banks that were in the concern, but there's just pretty much not saying that everything's covered out there. Um, This is what also was being fought um, by uh, Ackman, right? Ackman was saying that they needed to do this blanket insurance. So just kind of bringing in another investor that's saying that, yeah, I want to see that. 
that comment being mentioned that they're backing up all deposits here. What do you think about this? I, I personally would say that, I don't know. I, I feel like the market's getting ahead of this. I feel like I know that the banking situation is a big concern, but if we get through this, are we just going to be feeling the FOMO? That's my only concern. So take it back to the Yellen comment specifically, because Powell was saying one thing in one conference and Yellen was saying something else in another conference. And it was the mixed message that really spooked the market here. When Yellen said about, oh, we're not looking at blanket insurance. Like, well, Powell was just saying that you are. So you guys just totally contradicted each other. So one, either somebody's very misinformed or somebody's lying. So, I mean, the market got hammered when Yellen had said that. And maybe she just, you know, said, you know, maybe it wasn't what she meant to say. You're in live conferences. We do a live radio show or a live podcast here. Sometimes what comes out of her mouth isn't exactly, you know, it's not that we're lying. It's exactly like, you know, how we want to say it. Because we're on the fly. We're winging everything. Some, the words might not come out exactly how we want to say them. So un until you've done, you know, live podcasts and stuff, it's difficult to be perfect all the time. So mm -hmm. maybe... She was just, you know, didn't say it perfectly. But it was pretty clear, her answer. So it didn't feel like that. It felt like eh, they're maybe not going to look into insuring the uninsured deposits. And that spooked the market. because, And that spooks, you know, people in the banks. And the banks got hammered after that. FRC going down. It was fifteen eighty when this started. Ended up the day down at $13. Yes, it's bouncing here this morning. But it was really those yelling comments that really pulled the rug out from the early rally. Yeah, I think overall, I mean... What a tough job that guy has. I mean, whether you, you agree with what he yep. what he's done or what he wasn't done. I just I kind of look at it. I'm just trying to put that like the, the market perspective on things, right? Like where we're at, what are the implications of this, right? Yeah. First of all, we're still up on the week. I mean, we closed last week. We're up on the week. Yeah, we're up like, on the week. We this is, we're this is the impressive 40, part, right? I yep, mean, I know the banks are going down, yep. but 3947 was your close on Friday. Monday's close was a nice rally, 3983. Um, I don't like the these ridiculous hundred point rallies, you know, ahead of the yeah. Fed. It's a you know, uh Rob Friesen has you know showed some good statistics of this. So I'd rather I'd rather build a base, I'd rather, you know come down and build a base and put an area in where it's support. We just, you know, like rallying a hundred. I mean, it was crazy to go down like we did and then back up what we did and we get the comments. The really the onus is, you know, on the bulls today to uh, defend the low from yesterday. They did a heck of a job of it overnight. I mean, if yeah. you sold into the kisser, yeah, you're on the close, you're underwater. You got the psychological 4,000 level now. I don't have any levels for you uh, right there right now, except for the pre-market high of 4001.25. But I'm looking at yesterday's, or not yesterday, today's third, Tuesday's close. And man, we chopped through that thing so many times. So the market's still up on the week, right? That's a good thing. I mean, this this 3,800, we all thought we were going, well, 3,850 basis the, the June contract. I mean, you just have to, I'm not, I'm not re revising my, you know, my call for the high for the year being in, but, and, you know, the bulls, the bulls got a chance to step up here today. And so, so far they're doing it. If we could just get through the next couple of days, what, if we could get to the next CPI number, I don't like to look too far ahead, but you know, what, what if Powell's like really comfortable, like that CPI number is going to, is going to go his way. And 
he'll be able to say, uh, you know, his next comments are, boom, you know, things are looking okay. I mean, he couldn't come out and say, you know, we're raising a quarter and we're done. And like Goldman coming out and saying, oh, yeah, they're not going to hike. That he was just a ridiculous Yeah, that was ridiculous call. Call. Who's getting fired at Goldman? Who, who, that, I don't know what. Me. I don't know who put that out there, but that was a ridiculously <laughs> bad call. We we yeah, called I mean, that out on, yesterday man. morning on the show. There was they were going the quarter. We knew they they had to. I'm so. I mean, you know, the other banks were doing fifty. Why? Oh, I know. Were we going to go to zero? <laughs> like, <laughs> come on, yeah, man. They like, were, yeah. It, the inflation it, it, fight, and they were somewhat hawkish still in the commentary. I know they, the, they the wording changed, but they basically said we're not giving up the fight on inflation. But they noted about the situation. They were noting about the situation in, in the bank and the and the yeah. banks, obviously. So I mean, if to. that worsens. They will go, you know, if it worsens. But right now, it hasn't worsened. We've only lost a couple of a couple of decent-sized banks here. Credit Suisse, obviously, is a different story in the, in Europe, but yeah. nothing really too crazy yet. So they're sticking, obviously, until they get more information. Us mm-hmm. as traders, we're obviously, you know, waiting and we're getting more information as well. But you can see the safety trade here. People are comfortable with tech. Tech yes. is the new safety trade here. Because if we go into a situation where credit gets tighter, Microsoft, Apple, Google, Meta are not going to mm-hmm. have problems in their businesses because they have very little debt. Yes, Apple has some debt, but we know it could they pay can it pay off, it off in a heartbeat. Yep. Amazon, you know, same story. So that's why big tech is doing better because what you're seeing is a different story in the IWM. We can say how well the S&P is holding up, how good the SPY is doing. But when you look at the IWM, you can see a completely different story. IWM full of smaller companies, the Russell 2000. Some of yeah. these companies more dependent on credit. So if credit gets tighter, some of those other companies could struggle a bit. If we lose more banks, credit is going to get tighter. So you can clearly see the separation happening here where you've got the IWM, which has been trading with a PE a hell of a lot lower than the S&P for a long time, um, trading much differently then the Qs, completely opposite charts to the Qs, where we've been talking about this inverse correlation between the IW and the Qs, which is nothing short of incredible, because I haven't seen that in a long, long time. And then the SBY has kind of a mix, so it's kind of in the middle. But on any given day, it seems like the IWM ripping, QQQ is not keeping up. If the IWM is dipping, QQQ is doing well. So there's definitely, from the last week or two, an inverse correlation, a, a loose inverse correlation between the Qs and the IWM. And also, I mean, if you want to, you know, paint a, you know, a bullish picture on things, which, you know, you got to look at both sides of the market. I mean, how, how did we say, man, Apple has been holding up so well, you know, the top component in the S&P, yes. uh, Microsoft. I mean, does that, does that look, I mean, it's either the greatest selling opportunity of the world or this thing really wants to take back 50% of its move. Google has not even had a, mo- a meaningful retracement of its move, Right. Of uh, the big crank down. Also, uh, Amazon. I mean, it, that hasn't had a meaningful move. Nvidia is the one that's perked up, right? Oh my gosh, that, Nvidia that, is that unbelievable? Yeah. And right there, you're looking at the one, two, three, four, five top components. Then the next component of the index is Tesla, and Tesla's made a nice move. And I would struggle struggling at two hundred a little bit, but. I mean, that's still, a, you know, looking like you made a major low here at the beginning of 2023. So being S&P-centric, looking at the Qs and stuff, it's, you know, it's hard. You know, everyone's like, today's the day we're going down. I When I look at my screen right now, it's hard for me 
to look at getting, you know, short the S&Ps when these stocks are staring me in the face and they're, and they're going up. Of course, liquidity comes in at uh, at 9.30. You know, everything can change and you get a different, you know, feel for the market. But man, someone, oh man, oh man, it was by the dip yesterday. Someone made a comment on Twitter yesterday that I'm not, it's not for the person, but the comment I thought was really a good one. Is this the market of five stocks? Because it seems like it uh, is right now. Five stocks pretty much keeping us up, riding us higher. That's the market breath. And as long as, I mean, the big boys can stay strong, but if the big boys flip, yep. that's where we got to be that's really, really careful. It's been the yeah. market of five. The S&P has been the market of five stocks for the better part of the last decade. This is why, and Joel gets mad when I say it, I have said this before, the S&P is actually a poor indicator of the overall market here now because it's too heavy weighted into those major tech companies. There's a completely different story, which is what we just had this conversation about. Completely different story in a broad index like the IWM. You mm -hmm. can see a completely different story. Obviously, QQQs follow those same stocks. SPY is almost like a mini tech index, though, now because it's just too heavy weighted. Those, you know, we know with the oil, even with the great year that oil had, yep. how much is oil in the SP? You know, it's not like it's 20%, it's like four or five percent in the last time I looked, even after a great run. So, I mean, in the banks, we know never caught up. And again, you know, investing in banks, and I stopped investing in the banks, except for the Canadian ones. I do have a couple Canadian ones, but I stopped investing in the US banks back during the financial crisis. I had Citigroup in my long-term portfolio. I'd bought in like 2002 and I watched the stock go from back then $50 to $5 and they did the reverse split. And you can look and say, well, why didn't you hold on? It came back again. I'm going to repeat this. It never came back, folks. It did a one for 10 reverse split. Citigroup is in the same bloody spot it was 15 years ago. Yes, you got a dividend. That was awesome. You got your 3 4%. But for a long time, they didn't even pay a dividend. So it's JP Morgan came back. JP Morgan made new highs. But a lot of these banks never came back. They have been crappy investments for a long time. There was a chart floating around. Bring this up, XLF, Joel, just to give oh, you no a feel. Way. And oh, XLF no is helped substantially because of Berkshire Hathaway. And Berkshire Hathaway has half Apple. So XLF actually has some Apple in it, if you just figure it out that way. But bring up the long-term chart of XLF. Go okay. way back. I don't know if in the bottom right, if you can go further back than that. Oh, yeah. But we have gotten to a point. You're only going to 2014. Well, if you go sad. back to 2007, 2008, there you go. You will see in the last 15 years, if you invested in XLF 15 years ago, you are in the same spot. It has been a really crappy investment to invest in the banks. Yes, you got paid some dividends, 2.7, 2.5%, but the market has blasted off without you. And again, this XLF chart, this XLF chart is being helped by Apple. Because I believe the XLF is 12% Burke and Burke is half Apple. So basically it's 5 or 6% Apple. So the XLF and the be? banks yeah. have been very crappy investments for a long time. And now you're going into potentially another financial crisis. It makes me not want to invest in a bank ever again. They're crappy investments. Yeah, definitely. And um, it's something to watch for. I mean, you got to be looking for what they're going to be coming after now. Um, will they still come after these uh, financial names? That's what I'm looking at. I've been focusing on like the bigger names. I did see Bank of America crack through that low. Um, I don't know if Mitch, you are you saw talking that. about like what? What do you like? What about what are you talking about your long term portfolio? Because we talk a lot about our long term portfolios and stuff we do. Are you talking about stuff that you're stashing away for? 
the next 5, 10, 15 years. That's a good you question about- here. Just are you looking, Mitch, to do some long-term investing in some companies at these prices? Because a lot of people are stashing. This is my point. A lot of people yeah. are stashing away banks right now, saying, mm-hmm. well, you know these things are coming back. And I'm just saying, if you stashed away banks in 2007, 2008, for the most part, you never got your money back. And you've been underperforming the market for a long time. And I think that's why this rotation to tech is so violent, because the market has been here before. We have seen the crap that financial crises do. We have seen that there is risk here. And we saw coming out of the financial crisis in 2008 and 2009 that tech was a winner for a very long time. So the market is going back to what it is comfortable with. And it's not comfortable with banks. Burn me once, shame on you. Burn me twice, shame on me. That's what the market is saying here, I believe, in the XLF. And yes, we might bounce. And yes, maybe these banks are going to go back to the highs. But they've underperformed the market for a very long time. So Mitch, just bringing it back to you. Mm-hmm. Would you be jumping in and buying and investing in banks at this point in time? I think right now, the way that I'm looking at it is that I want to see what happens first with the smaller banks to see if we get some consolidation to the bigger banks. If there's any one that I would probably be buying, of course, uh, lovely Kramer's Fortress, right? Probably JPM, but that's just JP Morgan. Yeah, that's Maybe. just because what I kind of believe won't disappear, right? For right now, if I'm dipping my toes, it's on companies I think that won't disappear in the next kind of weeks or two, right? But am I jumping into these smaller names? Am I jumping into a Pack W, a Wall? Am I jumping into Scary. these? Uh, smaller ones no i just feel like the even the return yes it could be massive but is that a risk that i want to take with my hard-earned money right now i feel like there's other places to put my money and that's why i've been looking at you know the energy and the tech names not to get into those trades but just i'd rather trade that right now than to be jumping into these long term and then just get crushed because when we get crushed the biggest thing i think right now that's important is keeping my mental capital for when we can get through this situation, I'm not just destroyed mentally and can get ready to get back into the market. Wait, Mitch, you're so young. You got to be thinking about you got to be thinking about 15, 20, 30 years on the line. You can't be waiting to see if we get through this financial crisis or not, because there's could be another crisis by then. I mean, exactly. I, but yeah, the bank is not the bank yeah. is not where I'm looking to make a, a generational wealth. And you know right? what? You're correct. You're correct here, Mitch, because in your, what you are thinking, what you just spoke, is exactly what the market is thinking. Why do I want to bother with these banks when they've underperformed for 15 years and there's all this risk here? Why not go back to what has worked? And that is why the market is gravitating to tech. And this may continue. Even if we go into a banking crisis, I'll tell you, if we go into a banking crisis, tech probably outperforms. Now, tech could go down too. Don't kid yourself. It gets ugly. It could all go down together. But I think tech goes down less than those banks if we go into a banking crisis. It's pretty much guaranteed if we go into a banking crisis, the bank's going to go down a hell of a lot more. If we bounce back, yeah, you know, maybe the Pac West, you know, and some of these like 10s can come back to the 25s. But I bought Pac W on like day two or day three because I didn't think the contagion was going to be there. These things have just stayed down here for too long now. They've been down here for too long. It's like, you know, I thought it was overdone because we lost one bank and they're like, oh, they're going to hit all these regionals and this is just getting overdone. But then you start looking. Here we are two weeks later and these things are not bouncing back. And that is getting more fear into this market, into the like the from the depositor standpoints. There's people talking about it. You know, I had a friend like reaching out and he uh, has money. 
um, at, I forget which one it was, at, at Schwab. He's got a whole pile of money. All of their money, all of their wealth is at Schwab, 100% of it. No other bank, no other, just in the brokerage at Schwab and talking millions of dollars. And they're like, is my money safe? And I'm like, well, I'm not a banker. I'm not with Schwab. I can't <laughs> yeah. comment on that. But why not diversify a little bit? That's what I just oh, said. Why yes. not you know, take a little bit and put it a little bit over at Morgan or put a little bit over at Goldman or put, yep. why not move it around? We're about to get bit. numbers here dropping in. Just want to catch sure. you guys out, before you get hit. Dennis, just want to call that out there. Jobless yeah, numbers going to come like in right now. Okay here. Um, so just pay attention to that. Jobless numbers will be coming in. They haven't been really moving the markets too much, but let's just pay attention as it comes in here. Uh, okay. Give it a second and I should get the number in a second. So sure. uh, how's the price action at least on the spot? It's Anything quiet. Yeah, we we've uh, we we haven't given we had a nice rally overnight as I mentioned, and we're just just kind of like it's indecision here, just kind of uh, hanging out uh, mid range. Nothing, you know, nothing wild here. Uh, people are that bought the dip yesterday. They're like, I'm not waiting for the regular session. I'm peeling out of it. Um, and you don't have super aggressive buyers yet to think we're we're going right back up. I will say though, I'm looking at this Schwab chart and. Uh, Man, sixty bucks. I don't know if, what your position is, but there, there's no daylight. And this, I mean, there's a wall at sixty. I mean, someone's just saying, "I'm out." Maybe they bought that dip on the day that how low did this thing get? It had that spike low to forty-five, and just been buying it and supporting it. So, uh, if I was a Schwab shareholder, if I had a, you know a dime over there, I, I, the longer it takes to clear sixty. Uh, the more I'd be worried about one. That's some uh, some major resistance here. It doesn't look like we're moving. I mean, after a day like yesterday, you're going to need some pretty big, you know, pretty big uh, news to move the markets. But uh, still up 18 handles. One thing I just want to state: I know the chat was trying to hit hit me there because I'm not thinking long term. But what long term are we going to receive from this, right? And what's the risk? This is my biggest thing. I'm always looking for risk and return. Yeah. This this. It's not there, team. It's high risk, high reward. So do you got a lot of T-bills? Do you it, got a it's lot not of CDs? So, sorry, I was going to say, it's not even high reward because the XLF's gone nowhere for 15 bloody years. So then here high were, risk, low reward? Here you were investing. Bring up Citigroup's chart. Bring up Citigroup. <laughs> Case in Citigroup point here. We chart. always go back to Citigroup. And you know this we can show JP Morgan a little bit of a different right? story. Here's your Citigroup chart. And you went in there in 09 after the financial crisis. And you're like, you know what? Citigroup, this is, it. This is it. it. It's down 90% from the highs. I'm going to invest and put all my money in Citigroup because this is eventually coming back. This is chasing Here you are. Here you are. You took all the risk because Citigroup could have easily went under then. We lost Lehman. Bear Stearns got taken over. Wamu. You know, we had a mess then. You took all that risk. And here is your reward. The stock is still in the same place. Stock is still in the same place. Now go to like do Wells Fargo. Do's WFC. WFC has come back a long ways. But, you know, even adding up percentages, there's no way it kept up with the NASDAQ. So here no. you are. Well, hardly came back at all, too. Oh, nine, 36. Yeah, we went down to nine bucks. We're $37. 15 years later, your hard-earned money in Wells Fargo's collecting a little 2 3% dividend. Thank you very much. But, um, you know, I can get 4% right now in the two-year. So uh, why, uh, why come in here and take the risk? And this is why. That people are not, which is why the banks aren't bouncing to a certain extent. Well, Fargo made a new low on the year yesterday. 
go to J.C. Peretz. Obviously, we talk about him a lot, but you know, J.C. Peretz usually isn't buying stocks making new lows, or Mark Jacobs isn't buying stocks yeah. making new lows. And again, if you're looking at buying stocks making new lows, sometimes they do reverse. But the history here isn't on the side. There's Bank America. Bank America never came back, folks. Never got all the way back. Now, J.P. Morgan, J.P. Morgan dead. Again, Jamie Dimon learning before the financial crisis and genius as he is, J.P. Morgan has gone up a lot and done really well. So 0760 to 120. But even that, 15 years and the stock has doubled. Well, that's not great. It's good. Bring up Apple in the same time frame. Bring up Apple in the same time frame. And this is why they're going to major tech. Oh, my gosh. Apple from $10 to 157 is up 1,500%. So you can this, see the clear rotation what has happened in the last 12 years. People are calling for a catch-up trade in the banks, but the risk is just so high, and the return is just not that great. Mm-hmm. Square right. is getting crushed here right now. What is going on with Square? I'm going to call it Square forever, but we are getting absolutely hammered okay, let's on go to Square it. right now. Right, it is down it. 13%. Ooh. Ooh. Something just happened. I'm looking. I'm looking. I see uh, like lawsuits, but I don't think that could be it. There has to be something else coming in it's here. Off the low, made the low at sixty-one thirty. Oh boy, this is back in this area here. Hindenburg it's back against. Oh, oh the old Hindenburg. Short it went report. down this much on Hindenburg. Hindenburg. Hindenburg Research. Our research indicates that Block has wildly overstated genuine user counts and understated its customer acquisition costs. Mm. Hindenburg out with a short report here. I cannot believe this stock is down 12% on Hindenburg. This is an overshoot in my opinion. Again, this is just breaking here, but I feel like this is a major overshoot here. I don't like buying the dip, but holy mackerel, that 60 is huge there. This feels like an overshoot. Wow. I'm looking up this their, like I'm trying to get to their website right now. Hindenburg can day. do some good research. Don't like they're not always like some of these companies do really good research, but wow, this isn't, you know, like uh, company news here. This is thir- down 13% on Hindenburg report. I'm very surprised down this much. What what a good atmosphere to drop it into, you know? Pre-market making people 6350 right now i'll just make a call i think it's gonna end up being higher here today higher than this 6350 i didn't buy it here because we're talking about it but i feel like this is gonna bounce back but again just a call maybe it's you know i haven't read the report i haven't read anything on it. i just saw the headline headline. but i feel like this is an overshoot it's the link if you guys want to check out that report inflated user metrics and frictionless fraud Man, they go. Uh, they must get sued really big time. Frictionless with this fraud. Stuff, right? They must have a whole legal team because these are yeah. big allegations these companies make, man. Yeah, the wow. magical financial co- technology with a mission to empower the unbanked and the underbanked. Uh, there's a lot of comments on here, even Dorsey comments. The only thing I don't like is when I read these and they get a little too personal. Like they just go after like the CEO about like character. Yeah. But other than that, I, I, I read these all the time. So check it out, team. I threw up the link if you guys want to go into it. Hindenburg has high it up risk already. Right now, though. So, we will say, yeah, like, definitely high risk. moving like this, they're high risk. So I was like 63.50. I paper trading 
paper trading buying it at 63.50 complete paper trade i don't have it on so just my opinion the other thing too is that the company and i'm already uh, down a buck so i'm not doing very good on this paper trade. <laughs> uh <laughs> good thing it's a paper trade i was looking at this whole 58 to 60 area uh under 60 bucks we had multiple lows we'll see if the bulls step up uh, in that area also with these kind of things with you know if you're shorting it in a hole you believe hindenburg is the smartest in the world and this is going out of business the company will come out they should come out and say something you know they will come out and refute this they're right now their lawyers are it's working feverishly um but yeah that right now the bulls got it i'm looking at this 58 there to 60. people selling there's a 69,000 share offer at 62 so holy mackerel i'm oh down that, on that goes. paper trade wow. <laughs> yeah you're done <laughs> There is there is there is major risk when the things are falling and moving like this. It's all risk. It's a hell of a lot of risk. But holy, I can't believe it's down sixteen percent on Hindenburg report. Again, to Spinner's point is they've come out with some pretty good research before. So all know, right. whether there's any did you get on the PayPal, this, Dennis? This is uh, stock specific here. Uh, the PayPal. I mean, this is very stock specific. Got a yeah relationship. Yeah, well, there is like I I do pair trade Square with PayPal. It wouldn't surprise me if PayPal sees some pressure here because Square that's just down huge. So yeah, all the you could see some, a little bit of pressure. Out. It's down seventeen percent. Wow. All right, let's. I don't go even ahead. know what to say. Let's get to our guest today. Let's keep it rolling right here. Bad paper market trade. prep. <laughs> All right, Jonathan Corpina, Senior Managing Partner at Meridian Equity Partners. How are we doing, Jonathan? It's good to have you back on. Oh, looks like we might have got him when he's busy right quick. He'll be right with us here. Just give me one second here. We just got you're muted right quick, Jonathan. He might there be there. We go. There we go. Oh, there you go. We got you. How are we doing today, Jonathan? Uh, good morning. Thank you for having me on. I got How the schedule good? now down with Jonathan. Yeah, we got home. it. We got it. It took some time back and forth, <laughs> but he works at home one day a week, right? Just about. Yeah, one or two days a week I'm at home, and then the and then the other days I'm down at the stock exchange. Yeah, and uh, so the connectivity and you got sharp office with all that sports stuff, man. Yeah, yeah, Were all you good a football stuff. Player? Were you a football? I know we I was, a, this. I was a hockey player, but I'm a, I'm a big oh, Giants. Nice. I'm a big Giants fan, so you can see some uh, some Giants footballs back there. I've got. Uh, how do I do this? Wayne Gretzky's gloves over here. Ooh, uh, some Dennis. Oh, Dennis. Oh, Dennis. Oh, you get yeah, you get so full cool. screen. Remove us for that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> in there. Let's zoom in there. Look at all this nice stuff. Yeah, all right, Jonathan. Of, good things uh, there. Before <clears throat> we could do the macro talk, we could do the sector talk, yeah. we could do the rotation talk. But we had a guest on yesterday, Dave Lauer, and I was talking to him about you know the limit up and the limit down in these bank stocks. And to me, they're just targets, man. I mean, you know, the big boys pushing, you know, they know they can push it to that area. Maybe they're short, they put a bid out at that area, or they wait for it to come out the hall. A lot of times you're seeing reversals on these things. I mean, you got orders on the deck. You could, you you had to have some orders for some of these things. I'm not asking for specific stocks, yeah. but how do you handle these halts? Yeah, the, the, the halts, you know, are put in were put in place and I think they serve their purpose, right? They do what they're supposed to do. The parameters that are outside the market, they they update as the stock trades, right? So the limit up and the limit down or the bands continue to shift. And they're there to, to pause trading when there is massive volatility, either to the upside or to the downside. Certainly there are people who can track the bands 
and put bids and offers right inside those bands because we do sometimes see that these stocks get close to them, right? And then the bands reset and then they shift and then they, they, they continue to shift again. So we do see sometimes that they get close to the bands and then back off. But I think with the activity that we've seen over the last what is it? Ten trading sessions. Uh, what's going on with the regional banks? You know, clearly they've been used, they've been tested, and and I think they they've served their purpose, right? Once you hit a band, it's a five minute halt. It gives everybody a time to kind of take a step back, take a breath, see what's going on, and then continue from there. Fortunately or unfortunately, the bands that we've seen this week only have slowed things down. They never really made made the stock pivot. And I don't think they're there to pivot. They're, they, they are there to slow things down. So if you look at some of these banks that we've been trading in, you know, we hit a pause, five minutes, and then trades down again, hits another pause, five minutes, trades down again. And then we see it back on the other side. Conversely, um, First Republic, we saw it the other day, just kept hitting limit up, limit up, limit up, and it goes into the, the volatility trading pause. So it, it's it's there for a purpose. I, I, I think it's done what it's supposed to do. Um, and it does somewhat kind of dampen the volatility. But when you have freight trains um, that are that are either pushing a stock up or down, it, it's hard to get in front of that. So, our, I mean, obviously, we're in this electronic world, right? And, uh, you know, everything is going through the system and everything. But, I mean, it, I mean, are you get? I mean, is there big crowds around? The, I yeah. mean, back in yeah. the day, you know, back in the day, and you know, in, in the pit, you know, you know, some, you know, if things would be quiet, come in, and a, a big broker would come in, and people would like claw over each other and try and get to the guy. I mean, is that is that kind of you know that fun atmosphere back, or is it still just jamming everything through the pipes? Yes, so it's kind of a combination, right? The order flow, all the order flow that we do, all the order flow that everybody does is all electronic, right? So the days of paper and writing thing down and, and handing pieces of paper back and forth, that's completely gone and we're, we're okay with that. We've become much more collectively uh, efficient traders in this electronic world. But when we hit a, a limit up, limit down scenario with a VTP, a volatility trading pause, it does bring people back to the crowd because we know for a fact that the stock will not open for five minutes. We know for a fact that order flow is still coming in and the market maker is pricing that out. So we get information as to what is this stock gonna look when it reopens. We know it's not gonna open before five minutes. The reopening process is either automatic where it pa pairs off and the, and the market maker, the DMM says, all right, we're letting it go. Or it's a manual process where the DMM is there and they're entering their, uh, their interest and they're bringing in the other interest from the from the book and from the crowd, all electronic. And they're saying, okay, this is the price that we're going to open at. Is everybody good? Done. The stock opens. So it is it is a combination of uh, sure. electronic order flow and human interaction. The information that we get, I think, is key uh, on these reopenings. And and then just you know, kind of take a step back. The reopening process is no different than our everyday opening process and our everyday closing process, right? So we do this all day, every day. It just seems like, you know, in, to the outside world, this is a big event, but these VTPs, this is just a reopening process. We do this, we do this twice a day. Jonathan, I, I've advocated here for some changes to the limit up, limit down system because I've watched FRC and we've seen this even during COVID where you actually have fair and orderly trading in the pre-market. FRC is very calm right now traded orderly 
but because it'll hit these parameters at 930, the stock will immediately halt. I think in some cases where news or volatility is escalated, can we like maybe talk about potentially doing some adjustments to these where maybe if you hit one halt on news and the bands go wider and then maybe if it's another halt, they go wider here again because um, apparent this is just, it seems disruptive to me. I see it's so, so how smooth FRC is trading right now in the pre-market. It's calm, it's orderly, and then all of a sudden it opens and it halts because it's hit some stupid parameter here. And then the trading, it scares people. I mean, it scares yeah. people. I even saw CNBC like, you know, and, and obviously, you know, in some cases, you know, some of them, maybe the people on CNBC don't understand. They're like, oh, FRC is halted right now. Is there news? And they're checking news. It was like, it's been halted five times today. It's halted right, for the limit right. up, limit down. It spooks people to a certain extent. So where it's supposed to bring calm and where it's supposed to, in some cases, when we know there's news on FRC continuously, you know, there's, there's stuff happening here. Um, it's just being halted for volatility. Should there be some adjustments to these bands here? Yeah, so so a lot there. Let me kind of unravel it, Dennis, and I'll and I'll work backwards. So the media loves to to say stocks are halted and and cause that drama, right. and they put the banner on the on the on the screen, and then and then like they'll slide in. Oh yeah, it's the fifth halt, and it's a it's not news; it's volatility trading. So that that's kind of that's kind of one aspect to it. The second part that you that you touched on is I I agree that these pauses. Um, there should be some adjustments, right, that are that are associated with it, because when you have and we, we see it both in New York and in Nasdaq, uh, you know, when you have pause after pause after pause after pause, it's like it kind of it disincentivizes people. Right. They just kind of then, then they'll pull their order flow out and they'll just wait until it starts to get some some flow to it, some some not 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 order flow, but just fluidity to it. Right. So the stock doesn't pause and then they'll come in. So there should be a way that that the bands could be expanded, um, you know, after multiple times of concern. And then the last part, when you were talking about pre-market trading to open, keep in mind that some major funds that are out there globally are forced into executing on the primary market mm -hmm. on the opening trade, right? So it's like, they're watching some of this. They can only probably participate lightly, if at all, pre-market stuff. And then they're forced into being a block on that opening trade based off of prices where it's traded pre-market. And then that, in fact, causes a, a scenario where more volume comes in at a displaced price, and then you are going to get a pause. So, you know, couple all of that together. Um, I, I think this has been it serves its purpose. It does what it's supposed to do. But are there times when um, especially market wide, right, or sector wide stuff? Where there's where there's an issue that maybe it's it should have some uh, leeway to to let it trade a little more. I, yeah. I I think that's something that they could revisit. And keep in mind, all these rules and regulations. You guys have been in this business a long time. All these rules and regulations come in after things have happened, right? We look at we look at trading scenarios and they say, okay, how do we fix that? How do we make sure? How do we prevent that? How do we make sure that that scenario doesn't happen again or it happens in a way where it's a little bit more organized? I do think that seeing what we're seeing now um, uh, in the regional banks and how it's how it's affecting the sector trading, um, I, I do think that they'll they'll take a step back and look at how this all played out and see if there is any you know postmortem uh, adjustments they can make. We're on the line with Jonathan Corpina. He's a senior vice president in the 
Meridian Equity Partners, uh, a floor guy. We know we have a, I have an affinity for floor people, but let, let's step away from the market structure talk. You've been in the markets quite a long time. Uh, you've saw what happened during the, the financial crisis. You see what stresses, what things are going on in our economy. I mean, what, what do you, and I'm not going to ask you for specific banks here, yep. but you know, what the destruction that you, that you're seeing, is it, is it more of a, like Dennis has alluded to, this is like a, a you know, we're looking at city groups here or at, we're definitely not looking at uh, of JP Morgan's here. What are, you know, what's the general, I mean, are these, they're all done. We don't need regional banks anymore. We're only going to have big mega cap banking and yeah. big banking centers, which, What's your take on this? And also in comparison to 2008. Yeah. So I, I think I was watching your show, the lead on when you were, you were talking to Mitch about, you know, what, what does he get in now and does he wait? And, and, and Mitch's reply, I think was, was is certainly in line with where I'm at. Like we, we're going to have to let this play out and see where this goes. Right. So go back to last weekend, right. We've got, we've got Silicon Valley bank and then signature gets pulled into it. And very quickly and efficiently, the government steps in and says, OK, depositors are fine. We're protecting 250 plus. Everything's good. And in the back of my head, I'm like, all right, good. You plug the hole in the dam for now. But what happens when the next one rolls out? And can the government back every single deposit in every single bank that's out there? We're getting mis- mixed messages that right that we heard yesterday. And I don't think that they can. I don't think that that's their plan. I don't think that that's a, that's a good business model for the government just to have all these, these banks pop up all over the place. And, and they're now guaranteeing uh, all the deposits that are there. So I, I think there's a lot that still has to un- unfold from here. I don't think there's a, a, a massive correlation between 2008 and, and what's going on now, right? That was a, that was a systemic issue with the overall financial and banking system. I think what this is, is just risk parameters and risky, you know, risky, you know, positions or portfolios that regional banks have that larger banks can absorb. You know, these are rounding errors for some of these, these larger banks and some of these regional banks are getting into areas and they they're forced into getting to areas because they need to generate revenue and somehow to operate and maintain their, to maintain their, their, their operations, but they're getting into areas that maybe they shouldn't be right. So do we see a consolidation in banks? I think the government's going to have to make it much harder for banks, for regional banks, for these small banks to operate in an efficient and effective way and be able to protect depositors. And there's got to be ways that they're going to have to be able to generate their revenue to run their operations in a way where it's not putting the depositors at risk. It's going to take a long time, unfortunately, for for this to, to really play out, right? 2008, how many subcommittees did we watch out of the Senate and 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 uh, and, and all these meetings? And, and then it turns into regulatory and then it just kind of snowballs balls from there. This is going to be the same thing. How did this happen? Why did this happen? How can we prevent this from happening again? So do the regional banks roll up? I think some do, unfortunately. It's guilt by association. There's a group of banks out there and we can, you know, there's four or five of them that are fine and that everyone feels comfortable putting their money in. There's these other regional banks, these, and and we call them regionals, but they're like real sizable banks that are out there. Look at Signature, like complete you know, got wrapped into this, you know, we, we could discuss their, their crypto exposure, but Signature Bank is a bank that's been around for a long time and had a tremendous balance sheet. I personally, or not personally, my business banked with, with Signature Bank. It was so pro 
um, so pro-business for corporations, and we were forced into making an adjustment. This is going to be a lesson to everyone, and I think I think Dennis was saying it before about himself and, and people who are asking him. We're going to be forced into, for a, a period of time, having multiple banking relations and having money here and money there and making sure that that we kind of play this shell game of, of, of how, how much is how much is protected here, how much is protected there. And all that's going to do is just generate fees for the banks. All right. One more thing here. Uh, we, you know, the moving the tech here, uh, Dennis, you know, we'd like to look at, you know, different, you know, sectors or different indexes, the Q's very, you know, tech led and the S and P's where I said, I, you know, if you're looking at the S and P chart, you get one feeling. If you're looking at the uh, at the IWM, you get a little queasy feeling in your stomach here. Uh, you know, just taking comparing those two long term projections. Uh, what's your take on uh, those two? You know, the the implications of the directions of these two indexes. Yeah, you know, I, you once again listening to your guys' show this morning um, that the you know where's the money going right where where do, where do people feel that they that they can put money into and, and find some returns that they're that they're looking for it's not in the financials we've seen that rotation in and out of tech in and out of tech that rotation seems like it's going back there again um and 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 you guys mentioned this stock on on your leading like you know look at apple apple's been been just trying to get through 160 it can't like it just it gets there and then it pulls back again. And it just seems like that that's either going 10 points higher or 10 points lower. But it feels like that rotation is moving into tech. But the charts on a on a on a sector level aren't really aren't really showing that, um, you know, s and 4000, that psychological level. There you go. Yep. You know, is it is it are there is there is there resistance right above kind of feels like it? Is there support down below? You know. Kind of, kind of gaps down there. If you take a step back and just look at the VIX and take out, take out what's happened in the last ten days, and I know you can't discount that, but just look at the VIX. It's been twenty-five, they sell it; twenty, they buy it. Back and forth, and back and forth. And it seems like anytime S and P gets above four thousand, forty-one hundred, they sell it. Gets back down thirty-seven hundred, they yeah, buy it. And trade. unfortunately, like we're going to continue to have this right and 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 just kind of a more on a macro level like we're so fixed on these these the regional banks and what's going on here and stuff like that like the headlines of russia and china overnight like that's some scary stuff that we really should be we should be focusing on and and what's going on there and that that you know that allegiance that keeps getting stronger and stronger that that's something that's going to poke its head up in some point all right, Jonathan Corpina, Senior VP over at Meridian Equity Partners, joining us here on Pre-Market Prep. I like our schedule. We're going to get John more Great you. information, Jonathan. Go Giants, have a great too. Day. My yes, buddy, Ira, Ira likes the Giants. Triple D, uh, oh. his, the chop scenario. That yeah, he go go about. back to square because yeah, this is crazy I, move. I have and something also. We'll take a look at the chart really quickly. I also have something to add, uh, of course. Yeah, add, please. Of course, who would be adding uh, Square yesterday? Of course, Kathy would. <laughs> she loves to add on the best days. She right? actually sold coin, I guess, the day before. And Coinbase is your other <laughs> loser of the day. So she actually sold a bunch of coins. So I guess yeah. give her credit where credit is due. She actually sold well, almost the top well, on some of that, that coin. Maybe she got a little heads up from the SEC. but How We don't say stuff like say that. that 100% did not do that. No, SEC I mean, at the end of the day, there was multiple reports out there. I, that's um, how rumors start, though. We're going to just yeah, straight back. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, delete that happen. from the show. 
that was a joke, but he yeah, was joking. Yeah. But it was, it's, yeah. It, people will course, take that. Team. The problem is when you joke on a live show, then people run with it. You know, oh, he said it. You know, yeah, we, so we're striking that. That was a joke. That, uh, that's but why I said could have. Yeah, that that was a joke. Exactly. But I'm just clarifying that Mitch's comment was a joke. But, but the going big thing back here is, I want you to learn from a spread. very bad paper trade here on me. One, <laughs> don't jump and try to catch a falling knife on breaking news. Two, when news breaks and stocks are getting hammered, go to your Joel Alconin levels of support. Because when the stock has nothing in there, and it had nothing in there at 63 when I was talking about it, it's now it's 58. Um, you can see where it's trying to bottom here is actually at the December lows of 58.34. So when you have breaking news and the violent thing is getting thrown so hard, often wait until it actually hits the floor. The floor around there is 58.50, right around where it is right now. At least it gives you a chance. But I had no idea that Hindenburg would have this kind of power on block. That is unbelievable to me. So even though I don't, you know, you know, I, 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 I can't believe that it's down this much on this. It doesn't mean that the market is going to hammer it farther because we know this is the market where, you know, when there's something bad going on, they, they hit first and ask questions later. So absolutely terrible paper trade. If you want to call it yeah, paper trade what, there at 63 in, instantly losing 10%. So, um, or an 8%. So again, I just want, you know, sometimes I make some good calls. It was a very bad call. Buddy. Yeah. So 5762 is, um, actually, uh, at the actual level and who knows how this is going to trade in the next 32 minutes. And the cup, I haven't heard anything from the company. So they gotta be, they gotta be working on that press release. Uh, but it just kind of feels like it might be one of these days where, you know, that pre-market low, wherever it happens to be, I don't know if it's going to be 5762 when like the liquidity, you know, comes in at 930, might be a real good level to keep an eye on. But right now, uh, getting a bounce, 5762. If I had to do a paper trade right now, I'd buy it, lean on that low. That's only a buck. We'll see if that 5762 holds up. You know what? This is an unprecedented show here because we did not do – KBH earnings. We did not do. Do they matter? Do they no, matter? Boring. No. Throw that out the window. We didn't do coin cares about KBH. What about yeah. Coinbase? Who's trading KBH today? Well, we mentioned in the, in the chat. Who's trading KBH? Coinbase. Mention it again. Bring up Coinbase. So, so, so let's go into the Coinbase news because we didn't cover it. We did mention it, but we didn't cover it. Give us Coinbase. All right, let's get to Coinbase Global. Shares are trading lower after the company received the Wells notice from the SEC alleging violations, federal security laws in regard to the company's spot market and staking service. What is that entitled? I mean, I mean, you guys got to look a little deeper. We'll find out, yeah. I'm sure, in the next couple of days. But if I was a Coinbase investor, would this scare me? It definitely would. And, okay, so Wells notice, just to clarify, this is a notice that is typically given to a firm prior to litigation. So basically letting you know that we intend to put an enforcement action on your firm, but we haven't done that yet. So the intent is there for the SEC to put an enforcement action here on Coinbase, but it hasn't been done yet. So they're like, basically, you've been investigated, we're finding some stuff. We're letting you know that an enforcement action is likely coming. Now, it doesn't mean it has to come, but it's likely coming. That's what the Wells Notice is. So, again, when you see a Wells Notice, they hit first. The algos, algorithmic trading dominates this market. They hit first, ask questions later. Stock down significantly 16%. 
We don't know what the enforcement action is exactly going to be. They gave you a little area of it, but we haven't seen an actual enforcement action here yet. So now it's a huge unknown. Again, Coinbase, it's you know off 16%. It was yesterday. It was $85. When you're investing in these kind of companies, you're taking on significant risk. The stock just lost 20 points in literally less than 24 hours. Square yeah, same story is down 20%. It's bouncing off that level of support that we talked about here. Um, but again, wow, it's just a huge move. Okay, yeah, let's uh, wrap things up here. Square, a little bit of a bounce. We've got to wait to hear something from the company. Uh, <clears throat> as volatile as we had everything yesterday, um, we've had a nice... Um, you know, a nice rally overnight. I think we got a we got a whole mid range here. Uh, love to see us take out that uh, that pre market high. If we do, not much in there on the upside. Uh, conversely, if we take out the the pre market low, which is right by the close, the bulls got to make a stand at thirty nine sixty six and a quarter. Yesterday's low, or things kind of open up on the downside. So that's it for today, folks. Everyone, be safe out there, and uh, be back with you later on. All right, we'll Great see what happens segment here, Mitch. Uh, no, not today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold it off. Just okay. Uh, we're, yep. we're a little late. It's already nine oh one. We're gonna get yep. you guys over to live trading. Uh, I'm gonna adjust that. But like always, I will mention. Of course, you guys can check out Trade Zero if you're looking for short locates, right? Especially on a day like today that we could see some downside action in the market. You guys can check out, of course, Trade Zero. I'll throw the link up in the chat so you guys can get access to the. Uh, the pro software, right? Three months. If you guys go through that link, check it out, team. We're going to start wrapping up here. Going to take a look. I didn't get a chance really to talk about it, but I'm short on Chevron because I'm back to the oil downside trade. What oh, do you think about Chevron. that? Um, I got it yesterday, Dennis. So I like the 160 level. You're 159.17. What, what price? One, sorry, Mitch. What I'm what at 159.17. That's good price. And I'm looking at that 160, Dennis, yeah. that you just mentioned. I'm trying to risk a dollar above this pure but now technical that I took some trade profits. here pure, pure technical trade here it looks like for mitch i kind of like it um just wow we're starting to get hammered on some stocks here i kind of like that 160 the key reversal off of it too mitch i like it mm -hmm. too um just because 160 was your support back in february and we always say old support can become new resistance so i like your technical setup yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm looking for the gap to fill, really. If it can even fill right out the gates, I don't mind taking the money and run. Um, we'll see what happens. There's a little gap down there. We'll see also if XLE continues down. That's really what I'm looking at more long, if it's going to be more of a sector-wide move. Sure. Last time we came to this trend line and we bounced right off of that. Do we come this time to breaking that 76 on XLE? Other than that, I'm sure we'll be watching big tech. Any of these you like a little bit better than others, Microsoft, Apple, Google. I mean, they're definitely making strong moves here. Any of these you like a little bit better, Dennis, or you think you'll just all run? I think they've run hand? too far. Um, I do like that they were pulling back. I'm long Amazon. Okay. Um, we didn't mention that I one. Sold but yeah, I sold Google. I've sold most of these here now just because I'm nervous about the overall market. It's not that I don't think tech can outperform. It's that I think the entire market is going to fall. If we're going to banking crisis, I think everything is going to go down. So the sinking tide sinks all ships. I know that's a thing. Rising tide lifts all ships. Sinking mm -hmm. tide sinks all ships. I just made it up. But um, it's not very good. Microsoft, I mean... I think if you get back to the 260 area in Microsoft, it gets interesting. Again, these things just aren't cheap, though. That's where I come back to is they're not yeah. cheap. So as much as I think they're going to outperform here, maybe in the next little while, and that is what the market is doing, I just don't want to own stocks. I have as little, I have the, the smallest 
long-term stock position than I that I have had in years. You yeah, know, I've sold a lot, a lot right? of stuff. I'm sitting with like 55, 60% cash. The stuff I've had is some conservative stuff. The reason I'm getting five, I was tying money up at 5.1, 5.2%. It's hard to get that now because the rates are starting to come in a little bit in, in, in Ontario. Uh, but I'm like, why don't I take all this market risk and get 5%? Yeah, I'm not beating inflation with that. But I think we're in a really rough environment here right now with a lot of unknowns. So I'm getting paid 5% to wait. And that's where I'm sitting. Yes, I still own some stocks. I still got some cues. So I still have some indirect exposure, obviously. Still have my spy. Still have, you know, a, a number of other individual stocks as well, which we've talked about on this show. But very conservative with my long-term investing here right now for the simple reason is that I think we got a lot of pain ahead. We'll see what happens today. Like always, you guys can keep up with all the action. Keep up with Dennis Dick, Triple D Trader. We'll find out. And of course, uh, it's going to be uh, kind of clear to at least, I mean, we're going to be looking. The next CPI comes on April 12th. So we got some time for that. We'll see if we get some Fed talk out there. But like always, Dennis, you go do what you do best, my friend. Get to see the trading guys. action. We'll see what go happens. All right, we'll take a look, of course, on Square in live trading. You guys can come over. That's going to start next. Let me make sure I got that redirect set. Yes, we are set for that. And we also got all access on that. So long show for you guys coming up next on live trading. I don't want you guys to miss it. And, of course, we'll be working on some candlestick trading. You guys see me taking some setups all the time. You guys see me attacking the technical setups. If you guys want to learn a little bit more, come learn from Japanese candlestick trading. We're going to be getting into chapter four where we start learning reversal patterns. So if you guys want to learn a little bit more about some reversal patterns and you're into the technicals, check us out on the book club. We're going to keep pushing forward. I'm going to throw up that link, get you guys over now to live trading, and we'll find out what happens there in Square. Is that still an opportunity? We'll take a look underneath the hood. Here's the book club. Going to go ahead and wrap it up, team. Bring you guys over now to live trading. And like always... I want to go ahead and apologize for the Kathy joke. But like always, you know, you know me. I'm going to start some a little banter. I'll try my best to go ahead and quickly state that it's a joke. But didn't want to start a rumor there. Just clearly get myself out of that rumor. But we'll see what happens, right? I mean, there's a lot of situations out there that draw questions. And sometimes I like to just bring the question right? I'm not necessarily giving the answer, but I just want to bring the question out there for investors to think about. We'll find out what happens today. You guys stay right here. Pre-market prep, like always, you guys can check me out on Start Swing Trading. That's where I take trades like that Chevron, right? You guys want to find out where I'm talking about those trades? We'll come to Start Swing Trading. That's from 3 to 4 p.m. Like always, we have great traders that join us also telling us about their setups. We'll see you guys a little bit later on live trading. Let's see what we get into today. Hit the like button on your way out, team. I'll catch you next time.